Hey everybody, Tyler Smith here. Uh, just wanted to uh, do another one of these uh, little interview things that uh, that we do a, a non uh, non canonical episode, as David would say, uh, in which I uh, find people that uh, that I find interesting and talk with them for a few minutes. And so, uh, people also know I've been very vocal about it that my favorite film of 2021. Although no one's going to be able to see it until well into 2022, which feels like an oversight, uh, it actually comes out on my birthday. That's not that's not what we're talking about. Uh, what we're talking about is one of the uh, one of the actors from the film who is kind enough to join me and talk about his experiences uh, working on the film and and his career. Uh, and uh, his name is Scott Fullen. Scott, how you doing? I'm really good. Thank you for having me. So Scott, tell us a little bit about yourself. You're you're in the you're in essentially one extended scene of the film you have uh you're part of a one of the more memorable sequences uh which i'll talk about in a moment um but uh but let's talk about your life up until this point you're you're a young guy you're still uh you're still making your way in the world but quite successfully uh a lot of musical theater so tell us about uh about where you started and and where you're going uh, well, my name's Scott, and I started uh, acting when I was 12 years old in a film called Nativity 2. Mm -hmm. That was my very first um, uh, professional credit. Um, and it kind of got me started because um, I think child casting directors, either they all talk or there's not very many of them, um, which means once you're in, they, they, you, you, I don't, I didn't do, I don't think I remember doing a lot of auditions. But I remember working a lot and I think that was because they would see you or cast you in something and then go, oh, my God, you'd be perfect for and you'd mm -hmm. be perfect for. And then they chat and they go, oh, this, you know, this person's doing this. And which is very much how everyone, I think, perceives the acting world is working. But it's so much bigger. And that is how it works. But it's so much bigger that it never happens for you. You know what I mean? Like as in. Sure. You know, you're in something and you think, I'm going to invite this casting director because they're casting the next series of, I don't know, the Lord of the Rings series. And you're sure. like, well, I, I'm doing a film that's very much like it. And they'll come and see it or a musical or a play. And then you go, oh, I wasn't seen for that. Hmm. <laughs> um, but it's just because there are just so many actors. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, that's that was kind of my start. And then I, um, I did a play straight from that, went to the National Theatre at 13. Um, I always joke and say I, I peaked at kind of 15. I was playing a, the lead in a Comedy Central sitcom and I'd just come out of the National Theatre. And it was like, I was like, yeah, this is normal. This is great. It's only up from here. And I, I, don't, I haven't quite reached how where I reached at 15 yet, but I, I, I'm sure I'll get there. Well, you look, you keep plugging away. I think you're going to be okay. Um, <laughs> do you, well, uh were you, you know, recognized? Like, were people talking to you, like, on the street at that young of an age? Or did people mostly leave you alone? No, I, th I think it was, I did a lot of, like, um, I mean, uh, with the exception of the lead in the Comedy Central sitcom, it was it was a lot of supporting roles. Mm -hmm. And but you don't often get kind of recognized for supporting roles. Um, a lot of, yeah, I, I think I always say a lot of what I've done sounds very impressive. But um, but actually, is just quite you know basic actors. But you know you're basic. I think if some if you'd said if someone had said they'd done that in their twenties, you'd be like, yeah, cool, all right, you're doing well then. Like sure. it wouldn't be like whoa. But at twelve, it was amazing. It was a great. Um, I think the Comedy Central thing 
didn't end up taking off. There was a second series commissioned. It was all kind of in the in the running, and then and then suddenly went quiet. And I and the writer always. Um, Paddy always jokes. He texts me every couple of years and just says, "Like, sorry, I didn't make your career." Like, <laughs> like I think it was, you know, it was it was so ready to go and everything was yeah. was there. And it, you know, they they got really close to me and and um, it was the three of us boys. It was a really good experience. But it did it it totally prepared me for adult acting, which is a totally different experience. I do remember being my like my first job being eighteen, and that sudden what you always wanted as a child actor, which was taking that comfort blanket away, that kind of like coddling and making sure you're all right and constantly. And you're like, oh yeah, I'm fine. I just want to be treated like everyone else. And then as soon as you are, you're like, oh, come and ask me if I'm okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I think, yeah, Cyrano was, I had an experience like that actually. We were on the mountain and I was in a scene with Peter Dinklage, me and him had a scene that's ended up being cut from the movie, hmm. which I totally agree with. Um, I'd love the footage though, just sure. if you could just send, it, send it to me, just from my mum. But we were filming this scene and then it started snowing on the mountain. And that whole, the whole mountain scene, that all has snow in the film. It didn't when they were planning it because there was no snow on the mountain. And then when we were up there, having shot about half a day of, scenes on a really tight schedule so that was a lot of the film it started snowing and then that was all had to be reshot but it was snowing while we were so I was lying and he was like kind of I don't want to say cuddled up with me but very close to me really really like lying on the ground next to me um huddled up. I'm gonna use the word huddled, huddled there you go. Wrong. it's not quite it <laughs> yeah. wasn't huddled. huddled up next Cud- to me. cuddled feels a little bit more purposeful than huddled yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah, me and Peter Dinklage cuddled up. Um, <laughs> we were huddled up and then it started snowing and they, they were all making decisions. What do we do? Stressing. Forgot that there was two actors, including Peter Dinklage, mm. uh, lying, getting snowed on, covered. And I, when I say snowing, it wasn't like it was really coming down. And there was a thick layer of snow that had formed on top of us before Peter decided to stand up and see what was going on. <laughs> and then I heard him shout profanities and came back into the, they, this makeshift makeshift bell that they'd made that we were in. And he, he pokes his head in and goes, they've moved on, mate. They've started shooting something else. And they'd forgotten about us because we were covered up. Um, and I thought, yeah, forget about me, but don't forget about Peter Dinkley. Don't forget about your lead lying in the snow. Yeah, that was, I, I had that. I think as if I was a child actor, they'd they wouldn't there they would have been four or five people around. Sure, sure. Yeah, legally they they would yeah, have oh, to yeah. think more about you. But yeah. when you're an adult, yeah, what it's just another adult. I see yeah. them all the well, time. It's an actor. It's even lower than an adult. <laughs> it's just an actor. Exactly. Yeah. One level below. Uh, yeah, they're they're a dime a dozen. Um, yeah, you know, if, if one freezes to death, we'll just get another. We'll just one. get another one who looks like him. It's fine. You know. It's not yeah. even, we're not even really in that deep as far as insurance goes. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, so, uh, okay. So uh, at what point, so you're talking about like your, your, your acting career, but obviously you're, you're a singer as well. Yeah. You have a, you're a musician, you're a singer songwriter, and you've done a lot of musical theater, which is of course a combination of the two. And mm-hmm. so at what point did you start getting into like the more musical aspect of things? Uh, that was my dad. So I was actually always born to be a musician. Okay. Uh, my dad was a, a touring musician in Ireland. He was the lead singer in a rock band, uh, moved to London, 
to make it. And um, there's a whole podcast worth of stories about my father, but he, um, they didn't end up kind of making it as a band. Hmm. I think he was, he was potentially going to make it solo and then kind of decided he wanted to be the, with the band. And then the band were like, oh, well, no. Um, it all went awry. He met my mum. And then when I'm going to put that dream into my son, my second son, he is going to be the musician. <laughs> Taught me every instrument he knew. Um, and then I found acting at about 10. My mom got me into acting and it kind of took the sideline for a while. And then at 16, I got my first girlfriend, had my first heartbreak, wrote my first song, um, <laughs> took it to my dad. And he said, do you want me to, do you want me to give you criticism as your dad? or as a composer, and obviously I was like, as a composer, and he went, well, I like the middle bit, like the middle, like four bars, they're like really good, I was like, oh, what about the rest, and he goes, no, I'd get rid of them, what, I was like, oh, okay, um, after some tantrums, because I was 16, I came back and said, how do I fix it, and that was, I wrote my first song with him, and then having looked back, I've written about, I think it's, and are you going to think I'm exaggerating, but I think I've written, a, and I write them all down, so a hundred and 10 songs hmm. since 17 and I'm 22 now um and I've only released about five of them um pure uh, I, I would say there's a part of me that doesn't release them because as a young musician with no real fan base I've you know I've got some fans who really really like me but it's um it's not making me money to release music sure um and it's also not kind of forwarding me career-wise. I've released enough music to advertise myself as a singer-songwriter. I use it. I say, oh, you know, I've got some stuff on Spotify you can listen to. I keep it updated. I make sure every couple of years I'm releasing stuff that's current and, and, and my style. But um, I do... I, I don't release too much music because people don't listen to it. Because And that makes you... That doesn't make you feel good when you release something, you work really hard on it, and then you have like 15 listens and you're like, oh okay um yay um so i like, you do perf I like you perform live though yes yeah live so live performing is my thing that was okay. uh, my dad was a touring musician they didn't really release music it was that was what was put into me so i perform live music i write my own stuff you know sad depressing love songs and heartbreak songs and um and it's that's what i really enjoy that's kind of my passion thing as i say, i don't it, there's no real money in it unless you're ed sheeran so sure um I, I just do it as a passion thing and, and I'll make, you know, I'll make 250 pounds off a gig, yeah. a big one, but that, you know, that's six months to a year of preparation. So in terms yeah. of you split that on a daily wage, you, it's not looking good. Um, so in a weird sense, acting is my day job, which I find yeah. really, I find, find myself really fortunate for. I think I'm, I'm blessed to say that. Um, and it's amazing and to have stories like lying in the snow with Peter Dinklage and stuff as my like, oh God, you don't want to be an actor. And then I'm, I sit back and go, okay, actually that's, no, that's all right, isn't it? As things go. Um, yeah, and, and musical theatre was that strange thing that I found in the middle that actually, again, weirdly now, my dad is a musical theatre composer and I think we found it together um, through my mum who was always into it. Um, so I went into performing and he went into writing and uh, we, you know, we have great times where I sing his songs and, and, mm. and he listens to mine. Um, <laughs> yeah. He, uh, yeah. After years of rock singing, he's, um, lost, he's not got the high notes, should we say? Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a strange, it's a strange life, but it's, I love it. 
And, you know, the last couple of film projects that you've worked on in the last uh, few years uh, are, you know, they are musical adjacent. Uh, and in some cases, not even that, just straightforward musicals. Like musicals, yeah. Blinded by the Light, which is very musical uh, in its nature. And then you have, yeah. and then, uh, you have uh, Cyrano. And so, um, so yeah, it really does seem, and the fact that you've done uh, successfully uh, musical theater, it does seem to be like that the two are infused. Do you feel like at some point you will be so associated with the musical aspect of acting as well that that could start to have a, a, a very positive impact on singing and songwriting so that that's not just like a, a passionate side project, but something that you can devote more time to. Yeah, I think, I think it's, um, I think I always said that I went to these courses as a young musician to, you know, how do you make it in, in the music world and things like that. And, and, um, uh, and I, they would, it was so, it was, to me, it felt like more work than it was worth. In the, and and more, not work, because I like work. Work is not a word for me that I dislike. I, I love what I do for a living, but more sacrifice, I think, is the word than it's worth in terms of time, in terms of seeing your friends and your family. Um, like that thing of if you're not working, you're failing was put into me. Like if you're not mm. sacrificing, you're failing. And I thought that's not for me. I don't want that. I don't like that lifestyle. Um, I get enough out of being a musician and performing live that I don't need to sacrifice all this time and, and, and love really. Cause I'm not, I wouldn't have the time to give love to my family and to my loved ones. I'd be out in the street busking every day. Yeah. And I'm jealous of the people who have that and love that. I just don't have that love for that part of the, that side of the music industry. But I, I always used to say, listen, if I get the lead in a film on Netflix and, uh, and people like it, and they follow me on Instagram, they're then going to listen to my music. Yeah. Um, and if they like it, then they'll come to my gigs. Obviously, if they don't like it, then they don't like it, but at least they've had a listen. But that thing of being a young musician with no fan bases, people might like your stuff, they just can't find you because there's so much content in the world. Yeah. Um, and so I think, yeah, as an actor, there's, there's, there's always that, I always say to my girlfriend, there's always that risk that you might become famous. Um, because, and it's not, I mean, obviously some actors go into it and that's what they want and they want to get in a couple of films or, um, I was watching a program about this uh, earlier, EastEnders or something like that, where, where in England, that was like 20 years ago or maybe even less. That was like massive. And I know it still is, but there's now catch up TV and Netflix and Disney plus when there wasn't that Netflix EastEnders was all people would watch and then go and talk about. And the minute you're in it you can't walk the streets without being recognized. Yeah. Some people want that. And that's just, I don't think that's what I entered it for, but there's always that risk that it might happen. And it's not something I would shy away from and run away from. I think it was definitely something I would go, well, I've got a million followers on Instagram. I'll release my music and say, and put a story on Instagram and say, look, I released music, go and listen to it. Um, it's money. Can't buy that. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 There's a, uh... There's a, a line that I'm reminded of from The Simpsons in which uh, Homer Simpson uh, becomes a paparazzi and he's just, you know, hounding uh, like Kim Basinger or something. And he says, if these people didn't want people like rummaging through their garbage, they would never have tried to express themselves creatively. Yeah. Uh, and just this idea that like there is this feeling that like, like, well, we, you know, 
being bothered on the street and bothered in restaurants or whatever it is like that's the that's the cost that someone uh you know that's that's the cost of of fame it's like yeah but maybe somebody didn't actually want fame they wanted no. this other thing fame yeah. makes that possible but yeah. that is you know the that's the, that's where the work comes in going back to yeah i mean I, I think i always said that to my agent because obviously you have that conversation when you sign with an agent um and you say what's the kind of thing you want to do and i think i always said like it was all about character. It was all about, cause I really enjoy, and I'll go on to talk about the musical theater stuff, but I played this character called Jeremy in Be More Chill, which mm-hmm. I played in the West End. And he's now a part of me and I can sure. access him whenever I like. And I'm one of those actors who, you know, I hate people who say it, but I don't act, I be. Like I, I, I'll take that 10 minutes before we start the shoot or before I start the show and make sure that I'm, I, I'm doing that character a justice um, because I choose the parts I do. Um, well, choose the parts I audition for at least very carefully because I, I really want to do them, not because I'm like, oh, this would be amazing for my career, you know? Yeah. Like, I think it's, that's really important. And um, that's, you know, great for my agent because, in terms of she wants to see me blossom and 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 help me go forward in my career but I think the most important thing for me is enjoying it um and I don't think I think you're right I don't think I'm necessarily entering it to enjoy the life outside of the work sure but actually enjoy the six months we spend shooting that film and then and then telling the stories of all the fun times we had like lying in the snow with Peter Dinklage you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, you know, you, you, you hear stories about like, uh, Richard Dreyfus, who is an Oscar winning actor. Like he's certainly no, no slouch. Uh, but the way he says, it, he goes, he goes, my experience on jaws, he's like, I could dine out on those stories for the rest of my life, you know? And you yeah. always, you know, even if you, if you decide tomorrow, Hey, I'm, I'm done with this acting thing. You've always got that Peter Dinklage story where you were huddled yeah. and you know what? I will say cuddled. You were cuddled, cuddled up yeah. with Peter Dinklage. I, I think Peter might disagree with that if it came out in the press, but. <laughs> um, but yeah, so let's very briefly, we only have a few minutes, but let's, let's, let's talk about Cyrano. Um, it yeah. is coming out soon. As I mentioned, you're in a, a, a very pivotal scene. And when I talk to people about it, um, it, they, they tend to pinpoint that scene for a few reasons. One is that, uh, it takes place sort of outside of the primary narrative. We're dealing yeah. with characters that are not lead or even supporting. We don't, we haven't seen them until this one scene. So you are, you and uh, Sam, is it Amadon? I don't know. Yes, Amadon, yeah. Um, and, you know, Glenn Hansard, like you're these three soldiers who are just talking about the, the people that you're leaving behind, knowing full well, like you're probably not going to make it through this next battle. It's a really dramatic moment. And it, it's a definite shift because we've shifted into a different section of the film and you guys are the introduction to that. And so it's a, you know, you play guard number three, which is an unfortunate, it's an unfortunate character name. Because Joe, said, Joe said to me as soon as I got on set, he said, oh, we should name you so you can put it on IMDb and have a name. Yeah, like there is like, yeah, cop number two, waiter number one, you know, and once you get into number three, oh my gosh, you know, but obviously it's so much more than that because you do, you know, you're part of this big song. You have your own, your own section of it. So, you know, talk about the, the experience of getting cast in the film uh, in general, but also, you know, your experience shooting. 
Um, well, getting cast was uh, strange because Joe, and uh, well, for me, it was a normal audition. I sent in a self tape, which I often do for film and, and telly because they're often based in America or, or even they were, I think they were probably already in Italy at the time. Um, Cause as you say, it, it's a, uh, the scene we do is at the end of the film. So they'd very much started the process uh, and they'd got Glenn Hansard on board. They'd got Sam Amadon, who's um, a, you know, big famous folk musician. And that was what they were going for. They wanted, they wanted Glenn and they wanted Sam and they wanted what they actually said. And Glenn told me this, Joe rang Glenn and said, do you know any young lads who can play guitar and sing? Uh, and uh, Glenn said, Oh, well, my neighbor's a good singer. Hmm. And Joe was like, oh, I'm, <laughs> I, I don't think you're quite grasping what I don't just mean any, <laughs> like anyone you know. I mean, like, do you know anyone who's like an actor? Or, and he goes, No, oh, no, no, no. So he, they did this audition and it was, I seem to remember it was quite quick. Um, I, from the audition, they replied very, very quickly and then said, Oh, we're between two people. And then it was like two weeks of nothing. And I kept saying to my age, I remember this, kept emailing going, should I let that go? I, I think they've probably chosen the other guy. And he was like, no, 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 they keep saying they can't choose. Um, and then I think my agent came back and kind of said to them, listen, unless this part is bigger than, than I'm thinking, like than, than I'm reading on this, Scott's like got other things, like he's, he's stressing about, he's sitting at home stressing whether he needs to forget about this or not. Like he doesn't mind if you say no. But just hmm. tell him something, because if it's a massive part, and I'm unaware of this, take your time. But if it's this tiny little cameo role at the end, can you just let him know? Because he wants to be able to like, take other work. And they were like, I think they kind of went, okay, we we better make a decision. And then I'm very fortunate to say that they chose me in the end. But it was just a little. I just, I've just even remembered, I missed the deadline. Hmm. My agent at the time forgot to send the email. And the casting director said, is he going to audition for this or not? And I, in a panic, put together a self-tape in about 25 minutes and sent it off. And that was how I got the role. And it was just me singing one of my songs on the guitar because that was all I could do yeah. in 25 minutes. Um, and uh, we managed to send this thing off and, and got the part. And Joe said to me later on, he said, um, I just loved that it was just you grabbing your... It would look like you'd turn the camera on, pick the guitar up and started singing. And I said, <laughs> look like that, Joe, because that's what I did. <laughs> yeah. Like, um, oh, yes. Uh, well, yeah. my ruse was successful then. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And, and then we we uh, got to Sicily, filmed, uh, no, did a big read through. They brought us in like we were going to be a big part of the film, I think, because they wanted everyone to meet Glenn. And, and Joe absolutely loves Glenn. Um, and uh, and and I met all the leads and things. And, and we were in the read through, which I've never been a part of because, you know, the leads are in the read through and they bring right. the support and and. And, um, but they, the reason for it was because this moment was so important to Joe and the team and they loved it so much. And as you say, it's one small song completely outside of the narrative that what I would call the bubble of, of, uh, we're like almost a side bubble, um, three characters who, who for two of them, the, their arc doesn't really even end. It just begins. And then yeah. you kind of decide for yourself. Um, and then we went up the mountain, which was the big, scary, stressful thing for the creative team. That, well, the creative teams were loving it. It was the producing team that were like, this is a whole load of logistical stress that we don't need yeah. right now. But we went up there. It snowed on the second day, and that was a whole thing. Uh, and then we finally 
hunkered down because we had to go further down the mountain because of the snow and the freezing temperatures. We hunkered down in this makeshift like cave uh, and they wouldn't, they, they, we all sang it together and then they wouldn't let us in while we did it on our own. They wouldn't let us watch each other. Um, they were like, could you, they were trying to do a really closed set and I couldn't really understand why until I understood Joe's directing style which was when I got in and obviously I'm guard number three. So I did it third and everyone was really tired and I could see everyone kind of going, okay, let's get this done quickly. But Joe was complete opposite. Joe was like as close as I am to the camera here. Well, they won't be able to see in the podcast, but right. like really close to, to my face, not uncomfortably, but like um, really in there, really in the space, wanting to be there and be and watch me and be there for my journey that I wanted to get across. Um, and then he, my section of the song is about my father. Yeah. And he said, this is the most important bit of the song for me because I, I you know, have real love for my father and, it, and he, you know, is really important to me. And this bit always makes me cry when you sing it. And I was like, oh, mm. okay. Oh, oh well, <laughs> no pressure then. Uh, <laughs> um, and I started singing and he started crying while I was mm. singing. And so I started crying. And that was the take we used, I think. Yeah. Obviously, I'm sure this cuts because I think it cuts at one point. Um, but it, when it zooms in on my face, I'm welling up because Joe Wright is completely truthfully welling up next to me. Yeah. Um, and no other director has ever been that close in the space while I'm acting. Like they'll come to you and then they'll go behind the camera and watch it. And he was not watching it on the, on the monitor. He was watching yeah. my face do it. Um, and I, you know, I don't, I, again, as I say, I wasn't there for, for Glenn and Sam, but I found that so helpful. Um, and I really put that across to him. I was like, that was the best I've ever been directed. Um, so thank you. Thank you for helping me grow as an actor. Um, and yeah, it's, uh, it's an impactful, that, the whole song is, is, is great. Don't get me wrong. But I do remember like when it got to that moment um, and maybe it's because, I was less aware of, of you, but that, that emotion really does come through. Right. Um, and enough that I, that I was just like, who's, who is that? Uh, and I'm sorry for, I, <laughs> I do wish that this was a video show now, um, <laughs> but uh, you know, and, and, and I, hopefully that's not an, uh, an offensive. Oh, uh, no, no. Well, I, instinct, I mean, you know, Calvin who played the, who plays, I haven't seen it in so long. Christian, um, yeah. he said at all of the screenings, and this was a big compliment to me, like he was complimenting me by saying this, but he said um, they would watch the film, clap, have a, have a chat, questions, and they would try and do it in chronological order and then get to, and then someone would stand and say, right, can we talk about wherever I fall? Yeah. With, uh, and then they would go, the bit with Glenn Hansard, Sam Amadon, and Scott, and um, um Scott Folan, and it would always be a big bit where they would know the other two names and get to mine. But it was, and he said they always made sure they said your name, which I I thought was really nice because they didn't have to. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like the, the bit with Glenn Hansard is is plenty enough. You know what I mean? But they, I, I thought it was really nice that at every kind of convention for it and and screening, they always made sure to mention all three of us. Um, yeah, and it's because I mean that is part of the that's it's sort of the nature of the scene is that you have these three 
basically anonymous characters. Now they, are, you know, certainly Glenn Hansard uh, to certain audiences is better known as an actor, but these are not established characters. As you mentioned, they're not given names. And nope. so you do need to think of all three of them as a, as a unit. They are a military yeah. unit. Uh, so yeah, I do think that like, it would feel a little off if they were to like play up these two and then be like, and this third guy, yeah, he does some singing uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Know, in, in uh, some coffee shops, you know? Um, and uh, yeah, so, and I, and we do need to end, but, uh, but yeah, I, I'll just say like, well done. It's, it's, Thank a, you. it's, it's a, I adore the movie all around. And that scene is, is jarring within the narrative. It's jarring. It's, it's a completely new thing with new characters that we're not going to see again. Uh, but I think everybody, you know, hits it out of the park. And, and, you know, I really, one of the reasons that I wanted to have you on, on the show is that I wanted to give listeners just more incentive to see Cyrano because it is a film that has not been part of the conversation. Um, you know, it, it was nominated for costumes and stuff, but for somebody like myself who loved it as much as I did, like, I really, I want people to go see it. Uh, and so, uh, so yeah, listeners, I would say, you know, certainly I've talked about it uh, a lot already, but go check it out and watch for, uh, watch for Scott. Um, and, uh, then tell your friends and then tell your friends to go and listen to his music, uh, yes. and, and watch his videos. Uh, cause that's what it's all about in the end. Yeah. Um, uh, I like the idea that it's like, oh, Cyrano could really launch my, uh, my, you know, really. <laughs> my singer songwriter. <laughs> um but uh but yeah speaking of, of such things where where can people find you and your work uh, online uh well my name is scott folan uh, s-c-o-t-t-f-o-l-a-n for november um and that is my both my normal name my instagram account i put an underscore in the middle of the two of them so it's scott underscore folan and that's all of my social media um but i hate saying that the best place to find me is type into spotify itunes whatever streaming platform you use my name Scott Folan, and you'll find my music. Uh, it's depressing love breakup songs. So if you need to lie down on your bed, put uh, earphones in, and have a cry, I'm your man. <laughs> yeah, that's the vibe I'm getting from you from you right yeah. now. Uh, I think yeah. of you as uh, just in, in our interaction here. You're a cheery, upbeat kind of guy, but you got to yeah. get that that. That I've darkness got the dark out side. somehow. Exactly. I've got the dark side. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uh, well, Scott, thank you so much for being uh, on the show. And uh, listeners, I hope you enjoyed it. And uh, we'll get you next time. Bye.